0: But I was always one of these kids that could just hear something and play it in any key you know, and that that was sort of my training of the ear you know I was in a one of the most valuable things for me when I was young is being in a church choir where you had this you know s a t b harmony, and you know I was looking at the notes on the page, but I was also um you know, experiencing the harmony between all the different voices and the organ fascinated me, the church organ. Really?
1: In this episode, I'm talking to pianist Dominic Ferris. The interview was sponsored by the music gallery Steinway and Sons of Tampa Bay and coordinated by Tina Giorgio. Hello.
0: Hi, Dominic. How are you? How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm
1: fine, thank you.
0: Lovely to I'm meet you. To,
1: lovely to meet you too. Uh, thank you so much for your time.
0: It's all right. Yeah. Fine. Fine. It's fine. um, it's I, during COVID. Um, obviously we, you know, there was a lot of these sort of interviews happening, and it, you know, it was it. it it's always I've got quite used to doing them on here now. <laughs> you know, like nor, 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 normally, normally you do them in in, in person and, and, and the in-person things are coming back slowly but it's um yeah it's uh you know it's it's nice to do you do this on here again where are you, no, I'm, where in, are you? I'm in vienna ah okay. yeah yeah like, I, l- I love in... vienna oh, do
1: i do you have you been
0: Oh, I've played in Vienna many times. yeah really? Yeah, yeah. It's um, we played in the last time I was there was 2018. Yeah. Um, is it is it the Stadthalle or the um, Stadthalle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. played in there many times. Yeah. Oh
1: wow. Yeah.
0: yeah oh, amazing.
1: Well, you have to come back now.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs>
1: know about the Zoom interviews, I find it fa- uh, wonderful because I can now speak to people all over the world, yeah. you know, and it's, um, I think it's a wonderful way for artists to, to talk and for people to be able to listen and, mm. you know, then you can put it on a podcast and we, we can now communicate so much better, I think. So yeah. that's great, yeah.
0: Yeah, indeed. I think it's the it's the new it's the new form of communication, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think I think sometimes it, with music it can be quite difficult in rehearsal yeah. situation and things. But mm-hmm. um, you know, for this sort of thing, it's very convenient. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, wonderful. <laughs> These are the few things that we uh, we have to think about. The adv- well, that came out of a very tragic situation, but. You know, mm. I think we, we could, can now start seeing some positives as well. Mm. Now, tell me, how were you affected by the whole lockdown situation?
0: Oh, well, I mean, obviously, all the live shows just stopped. I was touring in Mexico at the time, mm. and I was, I was doing some shows, and my agent called me from London and said, there's this new thing that's going around, and nobody really knows what it is. Um, and, uh, we all had to come home, you know, very, very quickly. And, uh, then I was home. I, 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 came home and I was home for about a week. Um, and I managed to get a couple of recording sessions done knowing that, you know, things would be closing very soon. And, uh, as soon as we finished that, everything just shut down. And it, it was, I think for the first couple of months, I, I was quite, um, I, I found it quite a relaxing and therapeutic experience because, um, you know, I'm always on the move and always travelling for shows. Um, just to have that sense of peace for a couple of months was was quite nice. Um, but then I soon got tired of that, and and I was mm. uh, I was I was ready to start. But I I did keep myself busy with various recording projects uh, with various oh. artists. Mm-hmm. Um so I did a I did an album with Dame Shirley Bassey um right oh, through wow. lockdown. So uh, it was actually her final album. So we did all the we did all the routineing and got the album together and then and then we went to record it. So that took a good sort of 7 months um to do that. So that filled the time quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh and then when that was over um, there was that little window around. I don't know if you remember in, in sort of Christmas time last year, things sort of just opened up a little bit, yeah. and, and then they closed again. You know, yeah. um, so so that was that was nice that that happened. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously into 2021, you know, the live the live shows started up again. Um, but even now, you know, I mean, it's still you know the new variant and. Um, uh, over here, people are a little bit nervous about Christmas and how that's going to affect the entertainment industry. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that it's it's still a very fragile landscape for, yeah. for, for performing. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you find when you did the recording um, in the time of lockdown that it was a bit more relaxed and that they were that that you had more time, say, to? to sing creatively or more relaxed in in that way than you would have done if it was normal times where you had other things as well.
0: Definitely. I think that's absolutely right. Um, I think everyone wanted to um, unite, you know, and everyone wanted to stick together. Um, I mean, in the recording sessions, when we did like the string section, normally you would have a very close string section Whereas with the social distancing, there were lots of um, restrictions on the amounts of musicians that we could have in the room, but also um, like the strings, you couldn't have like two players sat on a, on a desk. It was you know, one player here, one player there, one player there. So it was really spread out. Um, and the same thing with, with the singers, like with the choral, if there was like a choir, um, they couldn't stand as a choir. They had to be all spaced out. So it was more like a collection of soloists rather than a choir. It, and I think the, that spacing out really affects not only the sound, but the camaraderie and the ensemble. Because, you know, as a string player, if you're sat here playing and you've, and you've got someone right next to you playing, you can feel that energy of the upbeats and the, the, the ensemble. Whereas when everyone is spaced out, um, it, it can be very difficult. Um, and I think that's happened in live shows as well, like the prong season last year at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, I watched some of that and the, it was, you know, the orchestra was spaced out over this massive stage and I was thinking, you know, how can they hear each other? You know, how can they keep? How, how can they keep together as an ensemble? You know, mm. it must have been very difficult.
1: Yeah, but um, you know, over the lockdown time, I don't know if you uh, know this, but I I did a project where I photographed 500 uh, artists in their windows here in Vienna. Yes. Yes. And, um, this is what I actually found. Is this? Comm- uh, camaraderie between yes. them because yes. i would then post a photograph and somebody else will write oh that's my friend i'm so glad you were there or yeah. i would start seeing how some of them that i've already photographed um now have a ensemble or a, formed a duo or something like that yeah th- this i found so beautiful to see how they just now came together and 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 even the, the interviews I did over the lockdown time, people were saying the same thing, that it is as if musicians now uh, came together, you know, and, and yeah. collaborated more.
0: There was, there was a, a project that I did very early in lockdown, which I can send you, um, which was, um, I, I pulled together all of the, um, the leading names in, in the West End of musical theatre. <laughs> um and we collaborated on a song and I, I i produced a video for youtube uh it was called we'll meet again and it was based on the dame vera lynn song oh, wow. um and dame vera was very very old at that point and she sadly passed away about two months after we recorded the oh. uh, she, she was 103 or something so mm. she lived to an amazing age but she, we put this video together with Alfie Beau and Louise Dearman and, you know, all these leading names of the West End, and it came out really well. And then right at the end of we were just finishing it off and a mutual friend got in touch who was um, uh, like the right hand lady to Dame Vera Lynn, you know, looked after her business affairs for the last 25 years of her life. And she said, oh, I'm seeing Dame Vera tomorrow. Do you want me to get a, a voice message? Do you want me to ask her to <gasps> have a message? So she sent, she recorded this message and she said, um, uh, sending all my love and best wishes to everyone in the theatre industry.
1: Okay. And,
0: and, then she, and then she finished off. Um, well, we put it on the front of the song. Yeah. And then originally Al- Alfie Bo was going to sing the very last line. And then she, Dame Vera, recorded this line that said, and we will meet again some sunny day. Oh, and husband. I just said, I, I rang up Alfie Bow and I said, sorry, Alfie, I, I've <laughs> got to put Vera in this last line. <laughs> because it was just so perfect, you know? Amazing. Um, I'll, send, I'll send it to you. It, 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 it's, um, Please. It, it, it was, we did it right at the start of lockdown in April last year. And it was exactly what the theatre industry needed at that point, because all the theatres closed with no warning and uh, nobody can go and see shows. But, you know, furlough wasn't really established then. You know, the government wasn't supporting the arts. I mean, it it didn't really support the arts very much at all. But, you know, even then, um, there wasn't a, um, a, a plan in place. So everyone was just not working. They were sat at home. Producers were sort of saying, oh, we're going to terminate the contract. And it was a very dark time for theatre at that point, you know. So it was, it was like a message of goodwill to saying, you know, we will return. You know, theatre will return. Yeah. Uh, because it's such an important part. I think, you know, where you are in Vienna, obviously, you know, the arts are, you know, it's one of the leading cities in the world for the arts. But I think, you know, in, in London, there's, there's so much emphasis on theatre and on um i suppose that goes back to the culture of you know the roots of theater in london um but theater you know as well as concerts concerts are important here as well but i think theater there's a huge and very loyal theater community um and that was a massive shock when when everything closed you know? yeah. So,
1: yeah well i i am um, i've also spoken to many artists over the lockdown period so on zoom mm. um but that was also in the beginning of twenty twenty one when we were still in the third uh, wave of lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about this specific thing and I spoke to actually conductors in in, uh, in in the UK as well. And the fact that the arts are not and artists are not that valued and that we saw now in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, even here in Vienna, which, like you say, it's uh, um, arts and culture is a big thing. And it's it's also a big part of our um, uh, tourism industry. Um, but yet there were also many artists that were on this brink of going, say, freelance, for example. And then they just missed, you know, they just missed out or just started. And I... There were many, very many sad stories that I heard, you know. And um, But yet, what is so amazing is how artists just get themselves out of this. You know, how, like you said, you, you have this idea and you just... And then everybody pull together and give this message of hope. And I find this... But I think it's to do with your... The fact that you are artists, you know, that you can... Mm-hmm do this switch of, um, of getting yourself out of situations.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you know, I think we all need to create, we all need to do something, you know, and um, I mean, my, my story is an interesting story in that, you know, I, I love what I do on, on the stage and, uh, and, and touring and all of that and working with other artists and orchestras. But I don't, I don't come home and feel a need to immediately do it. You know, I'm very happy at home in my studio and making some tea and just watching some films, and and and, and that can go on for a long period of time. I don't have a, um, a desire. It's it's very interesting when I'm not working. I, I don't really, I'm not really in that circle. I don't really communicate with the people that I work with. It's it's very much a different world for me. Um, I have my home world, and then I have my work world, because otherwise it can become very all-encompassing. You know, I think it can become almost um, you become saturated in that in in that world. You know, and and I think it's very healthy to have a a divide. But I completely see what you're saying that you know everyone used their own creativity to to come Uh together and and unite, which was was incredible. Um, I've got a recording studio at home, so I was able to put the whole uh, package together, the audio and and the video and everything. And uh, that kept me busy for a couple of weeks as well. So all of these things, you know, planning, ringing people, getting the pieces of audio in. But (laughs) it was, I remember when we made that because... Um, some people sent in very, you know, lovely pieces of audio in a quiet room, beautifully recorded, and then you had um, other people that they'd be in their garden with birds in the background and and like children playing in the garden next door. And uh, I thought, how how am I going to treat this audio? How am I going to get rid of this? So I think the birds I left in because they sounded quite there sweet.
1: <laughs> But this would be, I mean, this is the, the, uh, um, these are the things of this time, you know, that it was, that we're going to remember, I think. So it's good. Maybe it's a good thing that it's, that it was like that,
0: you know? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I did, I did a lot of stuff from Steinway, because I'm a Steinway artist and I spent a lot of time at Steinway Hall in London. And they were so kind. Um, Craig Terry, the managing director there. He was, you know, just used, them. there's this beautiful room called the mezzanine where there's a, just a Model D Steinway, and it's a beautiful space. And, uh, you know, he, he just let us use that space for live streaming mm-hmm. and concerts. And uh, in December last year, about this time last year, um, we we uh, did. I do these things called live piano requests, which is where people can can ask me to play something, and then I play it back to them. But we did it for charity, so you know we Hi. raised money. So we tried to raise as much money as possible. We did one last December for a for a wonderful music charity called Restore the Music, and uh, they're, they're, they are really wonderful. One of my favourite charities, actually, because they. Um, you know, they spend the money on things that are really needed in schools, you know, oh musical gosh, instruments, resources. Mm. And we raised over £20,000 in an hour wow. for this charity. Mm. And, uh, you know, it just shows what, the, you know, the power of live streaming if you're doing it for a good cause. Um, yeah. I think that that was, you know, that's really important. And I, I really admire the people that... Um, you know, spread as much joy as possible, mm-hmm. you know, during during lockdown. Um, yeah. I think that was, you know, that, that was very important because a lot of people, particularly in the arts, were they lost their way. And I think that was because they relied so much on, you know, today I've got a show, today I've got a rehearsal, then I need to travel here and travel there. And I think if that is all you know, and then that stops... You know it's um that's a real shock you know mm. um particularly people with families to support you know it, it was a very very difficult time um all over the world i think you know yeah for our industry yeah, definitely
1: <laughs> i mean even countries like america for example that don't have any support from the state you know they um their musicians also you know had a difficult time i think well that i think i know uh, from speaking to too many um yeah but you talking about the steinway now and i yeah. saw on instagram you you have this beautiful piano that you <laughs>
0: <laughs> i do i do tell well, the
1: story about this piano
0: <laughs> well stein i mean steinway and i go go back about 10 years i was asked to play at events Uh, in London, and it was for the royal wedding of William and Prince William and Kate Middleton. And it was at Lancaster House. And they asked me to come and play some songs, some music, uh, while the gathering was taking place. And they had this beautiful Steinway Model D, their concert grand piano. And, of course, I played them before. You know, I went to the Royal College of Music, and there, there are a lot of Steinways. Um, but this one in particular was was really quite special to play. It was an amazing piano to play, and I met the uh, I, I met the, the the people from Steinway that were there at the time, and uh, one of them, his name was Ulrich Geharts, who is um, one of the world's finest piano technicians. Um, you know, he prepares pianos for festivals all over the world for. Um, you know, all, all the most wonderful pianists, Sarah you know, Ashkenazi, Marta Lang Lang, you know, the list goes on. And uh, he was there and we started talking and he said, Dominic, you know, I, I really like your tone and I like your playing. And I said, well, never mind that. I really like your pianos, you know. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so he said, uh, would you come down to Steinway Hall in Marilla Bone Lane in London, which is where Steinway is. And um, I did just that and I met everyone. And you know, our relationship just went from strength to strength. Um, I have a piano duo called the Piano Brothers as well. And uh, the Piano Brothers is is a, um, uh, that's probably my main live show that I do okay. worldwide, mainly in Asia. Most of our shows are in Southeast Asia, Singapore, those sort of places. And um Steinway really supported us from, from the very beginning. Uh, we have two pianos when we play, like interlocking,
1: okay, nice. and
0: um, all, all, the, all the repertoires for two pianos. So um, whilst we were rehearsing our Piano Brothers show in, in the basement of Steinway, um, there was a, a, an upright piano, a Model V, and it looked, I always thought it looked quite sad, you know, I sort of I always felt sorry for it um, because I thought, oh, you know, because uh, everywhere else there's these big black, you know, the big pianos, concert grands, and then there was this little upright in the corner, and um, I thought I'm going to use this piano, and I, I started doing some practicing on there and, and playing and this sort of thing, and uh, it just sat there, and the years went by, and every time I went to Steinway, I sort of went in and had a little play. And, had a little chat to it I talked to my piano as you see uh. and and uh you know and it was it, it that was really really lovely and then just before covid um Craig Terry called me and uh he said look you know there, there's there's the opportunity this piano's come up um you know what what do you think sort of thing and he gave me a, a, an amazing price that i couldn't refuse and uh, now it's here in my in, in, my, in yeah, my house
1: i saw the picture but, on, on yeah. instagram it's fascinating yeah.
0: yeah and i sort of before it arrived i said to the um there's a department that that you know um not refurbished but they you know they they service the pianos yeah. and they look at it. and i said look you know before it comes to me can you just give it a, can you have a look at it you know so they repolished it and um uh, you know made the action you know as best as it could be um and and yeah, and now it's ended up here with me, which is which is a
1: little orphan up, uh, piano
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah it's a, and it's really lovely because where i've got it in my, in my room here it's it's yeah. like a wooden floor and it's a nice acoustic um, mm-hmm. when it was at Steinway, it was in a very dry room with with carpet, so you couldn't really hear the full acoustic of what the piano. Mm-hmm. sounded like um so now that it's here it's it's um I'm pleased that it's finally made its way to me,
1: yeah, but I think it's beautiful i can I can uh almost see your relationship with this little piano that you yeah have yeah yeah.
0: yeah yeah, no it's lovely, it's lovely, but no, they've been wonderful, I mean Steinway. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I play other pianos as well, um, Mm -hmm. you you know, but I think uh, whenever I get the choice, I would always play a Steinway because, uh, you know, I've been many times to the factory in Hamburg and the process of building these pianos is absolutely fascinating. In fact, Elwin and I, Elwin is the other pianist in the Piano Brothers um, and and he lives in Asia. And uh, very near the beginning of our relationship with Steinway, Uh, they were making a film of the the making of a model b piano which is a slightly smaller piano um, in the hamburg factory and the whole film lasted only two and a half minutes it was like the process of uh, the making of this piano and they said we need some music um can you compose something for us so we composed this piece which we play in all of our live shows and it's called ballad for steinway And um, the the video is on YouTube and it's just watching these pianos being made from the wood being rolled into the factory um, all through the different stages and then... If it, and then and then it's ready. It, it you know it, it goes on to whoever yeah, wants to
1: get. I think also I find it so fascinating that that they also I saw a few of the videos. I would it would be interesting to know which one it is that that you composed the music. to you say it's just two and a half minutes long? I'll go yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, have a
0: look. Yeah, if you type no. in um, "ballad for Steinway" um, oh, okay. into, into YouTube, it will yeah. come up. Um, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was um, really lovely to do that because it gave us such an insight. Um, and whenever we're there, we always go and play. We did a thing called Life on the Factory Floor. We were passing through Hamburg. We were only there for two days, uh, doing a concert, and uh, we went to Steinway Hall, and um, they just finished a piano. Uh, it just finished being built that morning, and the action had been released, and it was it was ready to use, and. Um, they, I said, look, we're here. Do you want us to do anything? So they gathered all of the factory staff together, hundreds of people from everywhere at lunchtime. And we just sat down and gave a little uh, impromptu recital for um, for all of the, yeah. the craftspeople. Because it's not, you know, with pianos and particularly pianos like that, it's not just the, the players that, that should get the credit. It, it's, it's these craftspeople that, that spend years perfecting their craft you know, and I, um, that, that's a very
1: important part of it. I've spoken to uh, two violin makers as well. I would love to speak to somebody at Steinway as well to mm, get an insight mm. about what, you know, what the making of the piano is. Because when you start talking about the instrument makers, also you hear a different story, you know, and you, you understand why, the, what, what is so important um, for an art, artist to have the best, quality and the best instrument
0: absolutely and, and yeah. I think some pianos speak to different people and I'm sure this is the same of all instruments you yeah. know you, you it's a bit like my little piano there it, it's um whenever I go and do a a, a a big show or a big concert with an orchestra or whatever You know, I select the piano. I go to Steinway Hall and I work with Ulrich, who's the gentleman that I told you about before. And we work together selecting the piano. And uh, he knows my style of playing. He knows Elwin's style of playing. And he knows the style of playing of all the players that regularly, you know, perform on these pianos. There's a fleet of maybe 12 pianos, 10 to 12 pianos. And uh, they're all out at the proms and the Leeds Piano Competition and all of these places around the UK. And uh, he selects the the right piano because, you know, if you were doing a concert in a big concert hall and it's a big concerto and an orchestra, at the end of the day, you need a piano that is loud enough to fill the space. Um, Whereas if you're in a studio, um, you might be playing the same concerto, but the microphones are just here you know, so oh, yeah. it, it, it's, it doesn't need to project like it does in, a, in the Royal Albert Hall or, or, or concert venues like that, you know, so I find that fascinating how the timbre of the instruments yeah. can, can actually change to suit the environment that it's being used in.
1: And you know, if you're not a musician, you just think, well, there's a piano, you don't realize mm. that that it mm. has this um personal you have to have this personal almost relationship with the instrument yeah. Um, yeah
0: yeah and it is personality we call it personality yeah. each piano has its mm. own personality it's fascinating
1: yeah no it uh, i mean d- just by the what the violin makers tell me also you know i think it's it's uh, wonderful that that mm. it can that it that it really is like that mm. now um I also saw another picture. I stalked your your Instagram, <laughs> but it's so wonderful that you share all this. but you have a picture there where you were very young and you mm-hmm. are um, also then already recording and and mm-hmm. and doing mm-hmm. your thing. What age were you when you started playing the piano?
0: Oh, I was very young I mean both my parents were, have been in the music industry for many many years and uh, I, I sort of grew up in that environment really you know um, so I started playing probably properly around sort of five or six but I didn't start I didn't start reading music and learning the piano properly you know in terms of the normal route of learning until I was maybe sort of 10, 11. Um, So quite late, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was always one of these kids that could just hear something and play it in any key, you know. And that that was sort of my training of the ear. You know, I was in a – one of the most valuable things for me when I was young is being in a church choir where you had this, you know, S-A-T-B harmony. And, you know, I was looking at the notes on the page, but I was also – know experiencing the harmony between all the different voices and the organ fascinated me the church organ yeah and I learned organ for many years and and I think that having having that experience in those other fields as well as just the piano um, it it sort of makes your experience more rounded I think you know musically but yeah, it, I, yes, I mean, I sort of learned and I tried different things up until the age of maybe 10 or 11, uh, maybe a little bit older, actually. And then when I was about 12 or 13, I changed college. I went to a different school and there I had a teacher that was far more strict and he was, um, you know, it had to be done in a, in a very proper classical approach. Yeah. And... That was a fantastic experience because it allowed me to realize, you know, how I needed to harness my technique um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: to play the certain pieces that I wanted to play. And he then taught me for the next five years until I was eighteen, um, which then prepared me to go on to um, to the Royal College of Music, which is where I did my degree. Oh, um, yeah. And and I always had this fascination when I was training. Um, I loved I loved the classical repertoire and I still do. You know, I play a lot of Chopin, Rachmaninoff, Tchaikovsky, and I, I still enjoy the Romantic Russian repertoire. Um, but I also have a love for 20th century American music, um, sort of Gershwin and Irving Berlin, uh-huh. and what I would call the American Songbook. Um, Gershwin's music fascinates me. I mean, Gershwin is the perfect. Crossover between classical and jazz and musical theatre, um, and he he was another one that sort of just moved around these different genres, you know. Um, so I love that equally as well. Um, so I guess you could say that my my training was very diverse and very um, eclectic across different genres. It wasn't just classical. you know it it was choirs and organ and musical theater and jazz and you know and I think now in the job that I do now I have to use all of these things you know because sometimes you may turn up to a recording session and they say right you know it's a string quartet you need to side read this Uh, and then the next day you might be playing in Les Miserables and you know or Phantom of the Opera or uh, and then the next day you might be doing a pop song. So it's it's very important, I think, as a musician now uh, to be as versatile as possible. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of young people, um, certainly that I found when I was at college, that um, they focus all of their time on classical music, um, but they maybe alienate some of the other genres which I think for them could present a problem after they graduate because you've got to be employable. You know, you've got to go and play for a ballet class or, or go and play for um, you know, a pop singer or a musical theatre singer. And I think just having knowledge of as many different genres as possible is, um, is very important, especially in those teenage years, you know, um, yeah. to be exposed to that.
1: what is so interesting now that you said that you started off not uh reading music um just by ear um i actually spoke to uh uh, the pianist charlie albright um Mm -hmm. in america and he said the same thing and and while you were speaking it's he has the same type of idea of you know really being free in what you play and not mm. just the classical music and he plays all the genres as well mm. do you perhaps think that it could be the fact that you were had that freedom before you started reading music that you learned by ear and that that gave you sort of this uh, courage or or you know this this uh way of looking at music as that it should not be boxed in into. I only play this, or I only play that.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. I think the the freedom um, of having that exposure to music, and you have to like the genres. You know, it's. I think you know if you listen to a piece and you don't particularly like it, you're not going to relate to it. You know, I think if you listen to, you know, I grew up listening to pop music to musical theatre. I mean, when I first heard Les Miserables for the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, I've just discovered this new genre. You know. And then I listened to West Side Story, and then I listened to Phantom of the Opera, um, and all these old classic musicals um, from years ago that were all influenced by the people that came before. I mean, if you listen to some of the Rodgers and Hammerstein scores, like The Sound of Music and Carousel and South Pacific, they all come from a classical place, you know. They're all based on a classical foundation, and you know these composers are essentially using their medium, using their composition, composition, to storytell through music. And it's the same with opera, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think being exposed to as many genres as possible um, is really important. Even now, I listen to pop songs, you know, um, I used to listen to a lot of, you know, I still do. I love Elton John, The Beatles, obviously, Fleetwood Mac. And um, I think, I, I guess it is quite, I guess it is a little unique mm-hmm. to have a knowledge of s- such a wide variety of music. Um but I think when you go to play that music, so if I was going to sit down and play some Beethoven, you have to switch into that chapter into in your mind. It's like right, we're now playing classical music. Whereas if you're going to play, I don't know, if, if you're playing for a jazz singer and they're playing and they're singing Misty or something, yeah. um, it, it's a different thing. You're following the singer. You're very free. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, what Charlie said is is absolutely right. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think that, and look, people that want to specialize in one genre, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think they're wrong at all. You know, that's what they've chosen to do. Um, but I think it's even if you don't play other styles of music, I think it's important to be aware of them and what they yeah. sound like. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, yeah, I mean, I started reading music very late. Sort of, I mean, through the choir, I read music, but oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't actually sit down and, and play and, until I was sort of nine or ten. Nine, about nine, you know, which is quite late, really. If you started playing at five and you're not looking at the score until nine, you know. Yeah. Um, but I used to, I used to go to church on a Sunday, and I used to come back and I used to just play the hymn. You know, just play it. And, and, you know, I I never played it before. And um, I don't know. I just had this ability to do that. I never question it. And I still don't because I feel that it it, it comes very, um, it's almost like inspiration. It just comes Mm. and it happens. And I think sometimes if you analyze things like that, it can be uh, destructive. You know, you just have to let it flow.
1: And, um, and also, I think, being uh, are you a perfectionist?
0: Uh, yes, I think so. I think yeah. I am. Um, yeah, very much more so with my own things, with anybody else's. Like if I'm teaching someone and they want to interpret it in something that I wouldn't necessarily do, but something in their own style, then I generally, as long as they're doing, as long as they're interpreting it in, way that is acceptable then I let them do I let them put their stamp on it but with me I'm very um, yeah very tough on myself I mean I I do I do come away from shows sometimes and I think yeah that was good and that's the best I could have played it and that but that happens maybe once or twice a year you know Mm -hmm. out out of Mm -hmm. I mean I, I do I do over 100 concerts a year so um, you know, once or twice in those hundred concerts. <laughs> I mean, the, the other show, most of the shows are. That's fine, great. Let's do the next one. You know, that's my normal response. Yeah. Um, and then occasionally, you just come away and thinking, there, yeah, I'm not, uh, not enough coffee today. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
1: But so, the interesting uh, thing yeah. is I always think the audience don't even realize when you do they something that yeah. no,
0: they don't they don't um, and that's another thing that, that you know like with people that, that come and see my shows that know me and really know what I play and the way that I play, um, it, it, I really encourage them to give critical feedback because I love critical feedback. Really? You know, I want mm-hmm. oh yeah. I I thrive on being criticised. Yeah, yeah. I much prefer to be criticised than being told that was really good. Um, uh, But I think that comes from, I think that's because I feel that I'm very secure in my playing. So, um, you know, I don't have any insecurities at all about my playing. Um, And that means that I can take that criticism and then think, right. You know, that was an interesting comment. How can I relate that to what I'm doing? Sometimes I ignore it, you know, because I don't feel that it's relevant at the time. Um, Other times I will listen to it and think, um, I always have to put myself in the shoes of the person. So are they a musician? Are they a punter? Where were they sitting in the theatre? Were they with friends? Were they drinking wine? You know, all of these things matter um, because that will influence their Feedback Because if you're sitting in a very formal setting and everyone's dressed smartly, you know, you're immediately in that formal sense of, you know, um, very uh, conventional concert going. Whereas if you're going to a, a jazz bar and everyone's got a glass of wine and everyone's a bit, you know, it's, it that's a different feeling. You know, it, it's all about the atmosphere of the room and it's, you know, and that sort of thing. So... Um, Yeah, I always like to have that feedback. Um, And I do watch footage back of myself and uh, um, try and improve on... I don't try and improve. I try and do... It's like a new slate. Like every time, you know, there are pieces that I've performed in every concert I've ever done. And when I come to it the next time, it's almost like you're telling the story... But no one's ever heard this story before. You know, it's like I've heard it before, but I've could still got to make it as interesting as possible for everyone that's here. Um, so that's my philosophy, really. Okay. Um, mm. uh, and that that's what, you know, that, that's what keeps it fresh, I think. Um, and the same when I'm doing my piano duo, you know, I'll be performing on stage one night and might do... Play something differently, and that makes it really interesting for me because it's like, oh, he's doing this. Maybe I should do this, you know. Um, And and it's done on it's done on the spot, you know. Not so much that it's like, okay, we're not together anymore, (laughs) you know. Um, But you know, just a little bit, so that it's like a different flavor or a different color, you know. Um, So yeah, I, I I always I think you're you're always learning. And I always try to inspire others. That's my, that's my sort of primary goal. Um, you know, if someone comes to my show and I play something and they say, oh, you know, that's made me, I'm going to get the sheet music for that and I'm going to learn it, you know.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: then, then that, that really, um, that's what makes I, me feel good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you get nervous before a performance?
0: No, not really. Really? Not really. Uh, no, no, not. I, I used to. Um, I, I used to when I was younger, but I think um, I, you have to you have to normalise in order to feel very. Um, I mean, for me, I mean, everyone has their own approach to this. I know, but for me, I, I I said to myself, right, performing on a stage in front of however many people needs to be as normal as. Going to the shop and picking up the milk, and I've I've got to get to a place where it feels as normal as that, Um, and it does. And the only time I get slightly nervous is if I'm I'm accompanying someone, and we could have done with a bit more rehearsal time. That's the that's the Mm -hmm. only time because you know I I don't get nervous for me. I get nervous for them because you know I don't want to. I don't want to mess up the performance for them, you know? And yeah. I think the accompanying is one of my favorite things to do because, um, in a way it's more enjoyable than being a soloist. Um, because you can be, that. I do a lot of work with a tenor called Jonathan Antoine. Um, and he's wonderful, a wonderful talent. Um, and it's, I love playing for him because he's so musical. He breathes with the music. It's like this sort of, we're on this little river and, uh, it's a joy and he does it differently every night, which means that you can't relax because you, you know, he might want to oh, yeah. take more time. And, and um, that's also very enjoyable as well. You know, do, doing that sort of thing. Um, but I, I sorry. No, you're
1: <laughs> not the first pianist who tell me that this accompaniment is, is, you know, that, that you like that because uh, well, no. I've here I've heard this quite a few times already that with a singer yeah. and that it's this, and, and, i could i've seen many uh well when i when i went to leader album for example i could see the chemistry i found it fascinating the chemistry between the pianist and the singer because you it's almost as if they look at each other and they there's there's something you know there's this um
0: there's definitely an energy between yeah, you know definitely. um yeah but but i think that i i think if you're a soloist um and you then go and accompany someone Um, you you have to embrace a very different set of rules um, because, you know, you're no longer a soloist. You you are there for one reason, and that reason is to facilitate the soloist. You know, you're there to support them. It's almost like you're a blanket, a foundation, so they will never fall, you know, because you'll be there for them. And that's the way that I always approach the company. Um, You know, and there might be a bit where, there might be a section of music where the soloist doesn't sing and then you can become the string section or become the woodwind solo, you know? Um, But then the soloist comes back in and you pull the dynamic back and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a very, very different art to to playing solo. But a lot of people ask me to teach them for, you know, I, I, I do, I do give lessons, but I'm very cautious about, um, the people that I coach or, 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 or mentor, um, because my playing is so stylized, you know, uh, it's very, um, it, it's it's sort of become very uh, a certain colour over the years, you oh, know, yeah. and yeah. Um, and I always say to people, you know, if you want to learn to play in my style. Then I will teach you. But like, if somebody came to me and said, "Oh, my son is taking grade five. Can you help him play?" You know, it's I'm not the right teacher for that because um, my approach is 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 so far buried, you know, in my style. Like for example, you know, most most piano players in the world will probably use fingering for for a C major scale: one, two, three. Then the thumb would go under, and then you'd finish the scale. My fingering for scale is one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. So yeah, it's yeah. No. So I've, I've developed my own styles which feel comfortable for me, but I wouldn't want to go and teach, you know, a young pianist or a pianist starting out, you know, the wrong rules because <laughs> it's it's um, yeah. But I so, love
1: this that you that you made up your own rule.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, you know I, I think that that you know y- you. I think sometimes you listen to other musicians, particularly, you know, guitarists like Brian May of Queen and and Jeff Beck, and, you know, you think they've sort of developed their own um, sound. And, you know, I would like to think that, you know, when I have a great piano on stage with me, um, because that's the other thing about piano players, you know, every other instrumentalist, you know, they would bring their own harp, they would bring their own flute, they would bring their own violin, their own cello generally speaking most of the time we have to play what's there yeah. you know, most of the time occasionally I can say right I'm doing this show you know there's a budget to hire a piano and I'll use my favorite piano from Steinway or whatever and then it will yeah. get brought to me um, but most of the time if I'm accompanying someone or whatever you have to play what's there mm-hmm. and you have to instantly adapt your playing to that to that um piano not only the piano the acoustic of the hall um the proximity with the soloist so um it, it, you're always learning this is the thing mm-hmm. about this the, the, this um this field you know it's and this is like what you were saying earlier about you know people just think it's a piano yeah. um it's you know when people go to a concert, they think, oh, they're just doing another concert, but it's not. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. it might be a new hall, it might be, you've never played this piano before, and they might be working with a new soloist. You know, so all these energies and relationships are constantly, you know, everyone is learning something.
1: Yeah, but this is what I think sometimes is that that distance between the artist and the public. It's not, uh, you know, we... We hear the music, and I'm not a musician, so for me, all this information is always so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's this these little things that people dress up, go to the concert hall, they see the artists on the stage, you know, all dressed up, and shiny piano. and But there's this path before, there's this whole unseen part, that mm. that the audience never know about. So mm. I think um, I think also when when we know more, it would also bring a different appreciation, you know. Because if you understand like this, for example, if you tell about the piano, now you understand. So every time artists tell me these things, I look at it in a different way. You know, I listen to the music in a different way. So um, I think it's yeah. so important, you know, to talk about this. But now, yeah. uh, now I want to ask you, um, do you have little rituals before you perform?
0: Rituals. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's fair to say that on, on a show day, you know, from the moment you wake up, yeah. you know, you, even if the show is in the evening, you are still there's still that little thing in the back of your mind saying you've got a show tonight now i I tend to be very relaxed before shows um it's sort of uh, you know i don't do um well i during the day i'm relaxed before a show when i get to the venue um first thing i do is go to the stage um try the piano say hello to everyone that's one of the things that i always make sure i do is that i say hello to all the crew members everyone backstage um just to you know because you might need to speak to them later in the day no, and no. um uh, you know it's, it's good to have that relationship going so I spend a good sort of 20 minutes half an hour going around sort of saying hello to everyone in, in, in whatever venue I'm playing in once that's done um I go and organize my dressing room and uh I'm, I don't usually spend a lot of time in there apart from immediately before the performance um so once all that's done and I'm sound-checked, I generally go out and get some food or whatever, come back. Um, but then I do have some quiet time. I just have maybe okay. 45 mm-hmm. minutes, half an hour to 45 minutes, not really even thinking about the show, just being out of the energy of everyone else. Oh, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. because you know, um, occasionally someone will knock on the door and say, oh, do you need anything? And, and that's fine but what you don't want to be doing is, is getting into conversations with people because it just distracts your flow a little bit. Um, so I try and just, you know, I I might even just be on my phone in my room, you know, checking social Mm. media or whatever, but you're in control, you know, you haven't got somebody talking Mm. to you You're in control. So yeah, I just like to have that time on my own, um, before a show. Um, Yeah, I mean, apart from that, I I don't really warm up too much. I don't like playing too much on the show day. Occasionally, I'll just play for 10 minutes um, because I think that your energy... I eat a lot on show days. uh, Really? Yeah, I do eat eat a lot before shows um, and afterwards. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, uh, you know, I I, I think that um, a lot of people fall it's not a trap but they sort of like to do a lot of warming up and practicing and play through the whole piece and and that's great you know if that works for you that's great but you've got to think all of those calories are being burned and you can't get those back for the evening you know um you 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 should always perform on nutrition and not on nervous energy you know you should perform on you know so you feel there and you think right yeah i've had my coffee i've had my pasta And I'm ready to go, you know, just like before you would run a race or something. I mean, because my shows, you know, I I can be on stage sometimes for three hours, you know, and you're you're constantly playing for those three hours. Everything from memory and you're talking and you've got to introduce everything and you've got to remember all these facts and um, you've got to feel you would get get burnt out if you didn't. Mm -hmm. If, if you didn't prepare yourself properly for that length of time, you know, especially if you've got to then do the next day and the next day and the next day.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah.
0: So, um, but yeah, rituals. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I just try and be, be really yeah. relaxed really. And just, um, chilled out. I think you've got to, you, you can't have, you can't let any day to day problems enter your mind while you're, Focusing on the show, you know, get the show mm-hmm. down, and, and then focus on that, you know.
1: And then afterwards, winding down.
0: Winding down. Um, so Do I, you I tend. Drink
1: beer or wine?
0: Oh back. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes neither. I mean, coffee is my coffee is oh, my maybe. guilty pleasure. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I drink a lot of coffee. Um, but after shows, um, if I'm singing because I sing as well, so if I'm doing oh, a show I'm... that in. If I'm mm. doing a show that involves singing, and I've got another show the other day, I generally won't drink anything. Okay. Um, but if I'm just playing, um, I'll go back to my dressing room, I'll get changed out of my show clothes straight away, um, mm. and then um, leave, and then maybe have a have a beer or a glass of wine, yeah. but, but only one, only one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's yeah, that d- I winding
1: know. down that everybody said afterwards, you know, that, that you need because there's all this adrenaline and then you just have to
0: yeah I mean I've always been very good at just switching it off like that I mean it's yeah Mm -hmm. I mean um yes I would say so I mean I I I come back and you know just sort of go to bed and and, you know it's because it's 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 I've always had that detach like if you're playing it's like you know it's Hmm. it's the audience of way over there and it's yeah i mean you know it it depends on the show it really depends Mm. on the show um but yes i I think that winding down is important but if you've got a show the next day you know that whole routine is going to start again and generally you know when i'm touring um you might do five shows in different locations back to back i mean when we're doing the elvis tour um you know we would when i was in vienna actually You know, we would come off stage in Vienna and then nine o'clock the next morning, you've got to be in Sweden ready for rehearsal, you know, Um, so and then you do the show in Sweden and then the next day you've got to be in Norway and then the next day you've got to be in Denmark. And so, so it's constant, constant, constant.
1: Um,
0: And then after, but after those tours, you really are tired because, Mm. you know, you're playing every night and, (laughs) and and then you finish. Yeah. Yeah
1: you so. know it, it's it's that's also something we don't realize you know that it's that that way of doing these tours it's really tiring mm. it's not just the playing it's that all the 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 other things that go with that yeah
0: yeah, yeah mm. absolutely I, you know but i think that's that's part of it i think the playing the playing is important but i think what what music what some musicians Um, fail to realize nowadays is that the playing is important, but so is, you know, taking care of your logistics and your um, travel and your accounts and your clothes and your social media. Um, You know, all, all of that is part of the job. You know, it's, I think a lot of people see, right, you know, playing is the main thing and everything else goes around it. And that can sometimes be a chore you know, like they don't want to do it. I don't think you can think about it that way. Certainly not for me, you know, um, to me, checking the flights and the travel information is just as important as playing the show. You know, it it all, it all, everything is part of the whole package, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the way you're organized because otherwise you'd be flying somewhere and you, you know, it would go wrong, you know, that you'd get to an airport and there'd be nobody there to pick you up. And I mean, luckily I've got people that that do all of that sort of stuff for me, but I still like to be in, I still like to be involved and know, know what the itinerary is and and all of that sort of thing. So that's, Mm. that's always a a very important part of it, you know? Um, but yeah, so, so I don't, yeah, I mean that that's, you know, I I think that, that would be a, a good, a good, um, piece of advice for young people starting out just to just to embrace the whole package not just Mm -hmm. not just the performance you know
1: yeah well one musician also said that the 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 same thing and said that it's the emails that you write that you don't want to write but that's also the important part you know that you have to do that yeah
0: absolutely absolutely and and I think that you know times are changing you know social media is your is your shop front. It's almost like your window to the outside world. And, um, you know, there are days when I wake up and think, oh God, you know, I don't want to do anything today. But if you've got a show coming up, it's it's your duty to make sure that people know about it, you know, and and, and talking to the camera as well is something else that that I think that a lot of performers could could do a lot more of. Mm. Because, you know, it's very important to, to talk between pieces and to, be a relatable presence to the audience Mm. Um, and and that obviously in the show you would do that but it's very important to pick up your phone and say right you know hey folks here we are today and we're in rehearsal and this is what's happening this is our lead violinist and you know because people want to like you were saying earlier about people don't know what goes on people want to see that you know so that's very important (laughs)
1: <laughs> well this is what also many conductors have said um, over this uh, these interviews that I do um that they say that they they actually love to talk to the people and to, mm-hmm. even in a concert hall but that um you know to to have that connection and I think mm-hmm. it is so important you know that it's that it's breaking away from this very strict no speaking just playing, um, mm. For people like me, for example, who don't have a music a knowledge, I, I find it wonderful if I can hear something, even if it's just the story about the piece, even if it's not even the detail. You know, you just yeah. want to hear something that would trigger the mind to to carry on.
0: Yeah, yeah, time. absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, it's, it's I think it's very, very, very important to have that mm. to have that all encompassing feel.
1: You yeah.
0: Know, um. With, with 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 what you're doing, it's it that that's very very important.
1: Yeah. Dominic, do you do your own styling?
0: Your styling? Clothes? Oh yeah. gosh. Um. Yeah. Uh, well, yes. I mean, I do. Really? I mean, it depends. Yeah. It depends on the show. I think you know sometimes. Um. You know, depending on the show, if you're if you've got a. Um, uh, you know, if you're doing a big show with lots of people or an orchestra or whatever, sometimes there'll be stylists there. But, you know, when we do big tours, we take stylists and that sort of thing. Um, okay. But, but you know, for one-off shows, I generally bring my hair products and bring my okay. own clothes. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you also have to have the, the freedom of movement, isn't it? While you're playing. Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, that's very important, actually. Uh, you know, like... Um, I always have my shirts untucked and and um, oh, okay. you know, open collar. Yeah. I never wear a bow tie or a tie or anything mm-hmm. because I think you've you've got to be free. You know, yeah. you've, you've got to be free to move. You know, as yeah. as you want to. Um, that's very important. It, it, one of the most important things, actually, mm-hmm. um, because the last thing you want is to feel uncomfortable if you're playing. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that's great. Um. But tell me, uh, just the last question: What is your wish for My now? Wish.
0: Mm. For now, it's to I inspire. Mm. It's to inspire as many people with music as possible, and, and allow them to realise that music is a is an international language that unites everyone. You know, everyone can respond to that emotion. You know that that music gives, and um, I, I think that there are no barriers. Anywhere in the world, you know, you can listen to a concert and you will have an emotional response to that music, you know, and um, I think that's something that that the new generation of young people need to learn because, you know, they're growing up right now in a world of social media and, and, and with their phones, which is fine and it has its uses and it can be very productive at times. But that you know, I think it's dangerous to do that at the expense of not being aware of creativity that music can bring, and not just music, you know, art in its purest form, um, mm-hmm. dance, uh, performing arts, acting. You know, this, these are all creative things that I feel need to be championed as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very important. And this is why when I see charities sort of putting all these money, all this money into you know into schools and i've seen the before and after i've seen what the schools were like before and i've seen what the schools were like after they've received this funding the instruments are there the the staff are there and the resources are there and 2 years later these kids that had never played a musical instrument are you know playing and working together in a creative environment and you know that that is the most fulfilling thing for me more so than my own performances or anything, you know, that, that brings me more joy than, than anything else really, you know?
1: Well, I am so happy that you say that because this is also my wish that, um, schools can make art, uh, as an important subject as Mm. maths and science, you know, that, that, that every school and every child in the world has the possibility to, um, to do a music, uh, not just music, but like you say, any form of art, because I think Mm -hmm. the art, art education is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. And and, and I think that there's enough of us to champion it. You know, there's there's enough of us around to say Mm -hmm. this is important. And I think it will take time. It will particularly Mm -hmm. at the moment where the media is just completely saturated by, you know, COVID and everything. Um, but I think we, there will come a time of balance again, yeah. you know, where, yeah. where we can really push forward and, 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 you know, cause it's so reassuring to see young people being so passionate about the climate movement, which is so important. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, young people have really got on board with that, you know, and I yeah. think now the arts need to, need to follow needs to follow in in, 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 in the same
1: way you know what what is so interesting is i speak to uh also many african singers and um and in south africa as well and they all say the same thing they say they started in a choir and from there it happened for them and in this choir was almost their way of of having a better life or you mm. know focusing on other things and you think you, you you don't even need an instrument to sing in a choir because you have it already you know you yeah. have your voice yeah. already. so yeah. um uh, and and just that example for me is also to to show that you know you don't need a lot of resources really you need just the voice and mm. to be able to sing mm. uh,
0: absolutely yeah absolutely
1: but yeah. Dominic, this was so lovely to talk to you. I can talk to you oh, for hours. Goodness. You are such Isn't an it? interesting person. And you yeah, have so many interesting things to say.
0: <laughs> Thank okay. you so much for today. Okay, and, and we'll keep in touch, all right?
1: Yes, definitely. Have a lovely day. And, and when, you you as come, well. when you come to Vienna, let me know that we can of go course. for coffee. Yeah.
0: Have a coffee. Yeah, that would be lovely. That would be okay. lovely. Okay. All right, take care. See you later. Thank
1: you. Bye. Bye.